السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله تبارك وتعالى وسلم على سيدنا محمد سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته وأهل بيته ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد So we continue uh, from where we left off yesterday with the added note that uh, it was my mistake last night wasn't actually the Layla Tunisa Sha'ban, but it is tonight. Um, according to the local moon sighting, tonight is the night of uh, mid Sha'ban. So whoever wishes to <coughs> spend it in worship and seek its barakat, uh, let them do so. And we had some some talk about it about the position of it within um, Islam and within the Madhab even uh, with the difference between the Imam Malik and the earlier Mashaykh and uh, the later ones. So you can go to yesterday's video inshallah or audio uh, depending on how you uh, consume this dars and uh, you can <clears throat> listen to all of that again with the difference that what that today there is uh, it's going to be tonight. I had mistaken it for last night but it's not last night it's tonight. So we continue with Ibn Abi Zaid's enumeration of the different types of ill-gotten wealth and haram wealth that a person must abstain from. And the last thing we mentioned was gambling. And uh, paired with gambling, the sister, uh, I guess, violation of gambling is uh, al-gharar. And gharar is what? Gharar with regards to transactions has to do with uncertainty. And so the Fuqaha mentioned there's a little bit of uncertainty which is tolerated because of necessity from a transaction in the sense that, for example, like if someone asked a question of how do I know that this can of Pepsi is going to be as sweet as the last can I purchased from you, that much is <clears throat> tolerated. If there's a problem, then it can be sorted out. But um, there are a class of transactions that are uh, forbidden in the Sharia uh, with regards to gharar, with regards to uncertainty, uh, which is uh, fahish, it's excessive, uh, that are not tolerated from the Sharia. So, for example, <clears throat> if someone says, I'll sell you the birds that are in the air over my land, or I'll sell you the fish that are in this pond, or I'll sell you um, whatever's in this box, you know, it might be one of three things, or it might be even one of two things, but you don't know exactly what it is. That tra transaction isn't useful. And the idea is what is that the thaman and mathmoon need to be ma'loom. The thaman is the price um, that's being paid and the mathmoon is the thing that the price is being paid for. Both of them need to be uh, known in the sharia. Uh, the sharia does not accept that a person should, that a person should uh, transact in an unknown quantity with an unknown quantity. And even with regards to the small amount of gharar, which is, which is tolerated by the by, by the Sharia, um, it's tolerated only because of necessity. So in those situations where gharar or uncertainty is unnecessary, where it can be uh, very clearly defined what exactly is being bought and what exactly is being sold, um, that is uh, that that is then mandated by the Sharia of Allah Taala because it makes the the transaction useful and it reduces disputes between people and it keeps harmony uh in 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 the population and amongst of the population amongst one another
And the whole point of business and the whole point of transaction is supposed to be islah uh, and masalih uh, for the for the ibad for the for the slaves of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Somebody has too much of something, but not enough of another, and so the whole point of transaction is that people should beneficially <coughs> beneficially transact with one another in order to. Um, make a living for themselves and to get the things that they, they don't have in order to make a better life for themselves. And so <clears throat> the pro problematic and predatory type of transactions where people rip each other off, where one side benefits and the other side doesn't, where people uh, uh, are resentful of one another, um, these types of transactions are are completely muharram. They're, they're, they're proscribed and prohibited by the sacred law and one can understand and see why. <clears throat> and the problem is that there's a, there's a, a, a large class of transactions in um, in the Sharia that are prohibited that people, you know, people will engage in nowadays. So, for example, <clears throat> what's what's a, a transaction of gharar that is very fahish, like widespread, um, is 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 insurance that a person should pay a, a set amount of money so that premiums that you're paying are well known <clears throat> that you pay a a a, 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 a well-known and well-defined premium a certain amount of money every month or a certain amount of money every year or every six months or whatever uh for an insurance that you don't know how much it's going to pay out and it's problematic for two reasons one is that you, the payout you don't know how much it's going to be and the other problem is what is that it's paying money for another amount of money. So if you knew how much they were gonna pay you, it's gonna be problematic, unless it's exactly the same amount of money that you paid into it, um, in which case it becomes from the class of transactions uh, that are uh, uh, loans, and those have their own stipulations and their own, <clears throat> their own set of uh, uh, laws that deal with them. And if you're getting a what a different different amount of money out that you pay one amount of money and you get a different amount of money out then it's riba and the fact that you don't know how much money you're going to get out of it is uh, gharar so it's a very haram transaction for a number of reasons now <clears throat> the question comes up is that well uh, uh, you know people use insurance for reasons that are very beneficial and that are very necessary uh, and so if you want to cut out you know insurance from uh, uh, from from the marketplace, there are a number of transactions that cannot be dependably executed, and it's not that the Muslims didn't have uh, didn't have a an idea of insurance. In fact, Muslims were transacting transacting with insurance and with uh, risk mitigation, uh, you know, far before the Europeans had <clears throat> uh, any system in place to do so. Uh, um, at least like the post-Roman uh, world. I don't know about the Romans, but, uh, you know, the Middle Ages, we had, you know, ships that would go and traders that would, you know, send shiploads of merchandise from one place to the other. If a ship sinks, it would wipe out an entire business, even if the owner was quite wealthy. Uh, so you had like pools of merchants that would, that would pool their money together in order to mitigate uh, loss and to keep themselves afloat. So that one, uh, um, you know, one catastrophe wouldn't wipe out a person completely. But the idea is what is that people used to do those uh, functions not as a way of making money, 
and this is what where where it's important. This is where it's important. It is permissible to have insurance in the Sharia, and it is actually a good idea in many cases to have insurance in the Sharia, but it is not permissible to use it as a way of making money. And so <clears throat> the uh, model uh, of takaful, of, of like guarantorship that, uh, you know, worked in the past and can still work and st works in other countries right now currently and still can work in any marketplace, uh, whether it's Muslim or otherwise, um, and can work in the United States of America as well, is that you have an insurance and then you have people who pay into pay premiums into a pot, and then that pot of money is used to pay out uh, uh, claims, uh, but on a nonprofit basis. So what does it mean that it's a nonprofit basis? It means that <clears throat> whatever uh, money is put into that into that pool at the end of the year or at the end of uh, uh, you know whatever time period is ordained. Whatever money is in excess of what is necessary in order to keep that in uh, that 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 pool running, it has to be paid back to those people who paid their premiums out. And uh, oftentimes, insurance is much more uh, sophisticated than that. The money doesn't just sit as cash in a bank account, but it's invested out and things like that. And all of that is okay. There's nothing wrong with any of that. You know, to to run these. Um, to run these transactions in as beneficial and as profitable a way as possible is a good thing. But at the end of the day, you know, you're allowed to take money from that pool in order to pay the administrators, to pay the accountants, to pay the, the IT people, to pay all those people who, who run and administer, administer this account. Uh, and, you know, you pay out the, the, the claims that are valid according to the the charter of that uh, insurance that people sign up for, but nobody can profit from it as a business. You know, you can have uh, uh, officers and uh, uh, administrators that get paid a salary for doing the work that they do, but it cannot be a for-profit business. And we have <clears throat> insurances of that type already functioning in the United States. And uh, that class of insurances that follow a, a, a type of, uh, um, you know, a type of model that's similar to this, uh, I'm told are called mutual uh, insurance. I'm not like the biggest like finance expert in the world, nor is this meant to be a, uh, you know, a really high level darsa uh, uh, about the functioning of uh, Islamic finance in the modern marketplace. But this is so that you can understand the basic, what the basic issue is. And you can understand that in general, there are principles, then how those principles are applied in real life they take on uh, 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 multiple forms that are in ever branching and ever increasing uh, uh, possibilities of complexity and difference. But the usul, the universal principles on which they're based, are uh, are 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 a few, and you just have to understand them. That riba is haram and gharar is haram, and you can't use them to make money. Because what is the what is the hukum in the book is that you know to eat from that to eat from 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 profiting from from horror uh, from from uncertainty in transaction it's it's impermissible because you know people should know what they're doing they should know what they're getting into they should be know what they're paying they should know what they're paying for and they should know what they're getting out otherwise the intelligent will 
take advantage of uh, of the unintelligent or the people who have uh, superior means in order to know what's going on will take advantage of those of less means. And that's exactly, you have this complete like marketplace where you have all sorts of messed up transactions. You have weird, like for example, the subprime mortgage lending uh, uh, scandal. What was part of it? Part of it is this, is that you have a variable rate that you have to pay back to, <clears throat> to the lender. And you don't even know what that, you, I mean, you have no idea what that rate is. And uh, other than the the riba side of the 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 the, the unlawfulness and problem problematicness of those transactions, you have this whole other issue of what is that there are people who have better credit are getting fixed rate uh, fixed rate loans. So even though the riba is an exploitative process, but its exploitation is mitigated by the fact that the people who are paying for those loans they know exactly how much they're paying. Whereas on the flip side, people are signing up and they see the initial rates that they have to pay on those variable rate mortgages. And uh, um, then thereafter, those like they go astronomical, they flip into the sky and the person who's getting the transaction isn't expecting that it's going to be like that. But it ends up being like that when they read the fine print um, because they essentially signed for something. They didn't know what they were uh, what they were getting into. And uh, that's because they didn't read the fine print. Someone can say, well, I should have read the fine print. Well, even if you don't read the fine print in many of these transactions, there's no way you can there's no way you can know what's going on. Uh, and further than that and worse than that, you have like things like derivatives and short sales and, you know, these types of things where you're neither transacting in any real property. You're just using money to massage more money out of money. And you're essentially they call them bets. They're saying, well, we're hedging this bet with this bet, et cetera, et cetera. And um, it's as if uh, it's as if, uh, uh, you know, people don't even pretend that some of those things are just gambling. And, uh, you know, like a short sale is like betting that something will go down. And if it does go down, then, you know, that person will, will, will you know, that person that you get the short sale with, that person will pay out to you, um, et cetera. Uh, these types of transactions, they don't provide any sort of meaningful benefit to society. Um, and they are very prone to, um, they're very prone to being unpredictable in a way that uh, is very harmful for for the marketplace and there are some people who are in a position to benefit uh, but those people are generally speaking uh, people who have a, an unfair advantage uh, over others so the whole you know the whole principle of distributing uh, distributing risk uh, uh, in a, an equitable fashion between different uh, parties to uh, a business uh, in a way that people's uh, risk is commensurate with their ability to profit um, that uh, uh, that that principle is completely thrown out the window uh, and so uh, Vara is very problematic for that reason it's very problematic for that reason uh, this much Vara is uh, is not tolerated uh, from the by the Sharia and you know one of the problems is this is that Look, as Muslims, we have a lot of very wealthy people. We have a lot of very talented people. We have a lot of people who are very successful in different uh, um, different spheres of life. And uh, many of them are trying to give khutbahs and like give their advice about deen. Leave those things for the ulama. You know, if you're a doctor, uh, develop a flu vaccine that doesn't have pork in it or like, you know, uh, you know, develop uh, vaccines that don't have najasa in them. Uh, make sure that this COVID vaccine, when it comes out, 
that it doesn't have, you know, like uh, the, the protein of unslaughtered animals in it. You know, make heparin, you know, the blood thinner for uh, people that's not derived from a porcine uh, source, you know, make develop treatments, uh, you know, uh, for uh, for Muslims that are, you know, that are complementary to our uh, our ethical uh, uh, and our legal tradition. Uh, you know, if you're a lawyer, you know, work on uh, getting wills that are recognized or marriage uh, contracts that are recognized that will protect people uh, in their Islam. Um, when those marriages fall apart or in the case of a dispute when it comes to a court that otherwise wouldn't recognize the deen. If you're in the business world, you know, get that get that know-how together and get a, a, a mutual uh, insurance uh, going. And I'll, I'll switch my car insurance. You know, I have to have car insurance in order to drive. And I don't like giving the money to Geico or Esurance or State Farm or Allstate or any of these other Haram Khor, uh, you know, type uh, companies. I don't want to do business with them. I'd rather do with Al Amana and Al Baraka and Al Tawakul, uh, uh, you know, whatever, Takaful Limited. I'd rather do business with you guys. Um, make investments that I can put my money, that I can sink, it my, sink my money into. Um, you know, make, uh, you know, there's so many things that, that, that we need to, that we need to do. And I'm not saying do it free sabilillah. Alhamdulillah. All of you make these businesses and get paid from them, make money from them. I'm the one, inshallah, you can always ask me, you can always text me or email me. And if I'm not like half asleep or, or, or you know, running from pillar to post and like uh, open the message and then forget about it or make some mistake, I'll, I'll answer you for free, inshallah, I'll help you out for free. The rest of you go out there and make money, make, you know, be successful in the world. Run it so well, run your, your insurance so well and make it, you know, so efficient. And since it's nonprofit, make it cheaper so it can compete with all of these like, kind of fake uh, money massaging uh, cheaters out there that are just basically, you know, they're consuming the wealth of the home uh, in battle and selling, uh, you know, risk or selling gambling uh, for nothing. You know, do, do better than them because the fundamentals on which uh, uh, these things are based in our deen are more solid. Than, uh, than the mavalim and the, 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 the transgressions that other people are based on. You know, instead of everyone trying to do a khutbah workshop and then, you know, saying, oh, I'm going to give a khutbah about the Black Panther this week or whatever uh, nonsense type of things. Leave that for the people who, like, uh, you know, uh, spent more than five hours on Baraba Yadribu. And the rest, of you, the rest of you, you know, work to apply the deen, learn the, the facets of the deen that apply to your field and work to bring that up to a, a, a sacred standard as well. Someone might say, oh, well, look at this guy. He's trying to be all territorial and like, you know, keep, uh, uh, you know, keep people out and preserve his authority and keep people out of his sphere of the deen. And I'm not trying to be that at all. I mean, hey, man, you want to be sheikh? Be my guest. You know, you can, you, if you study hard for three years, four years, you'll, you'll know more than I will. And I'll take a back seat. But if you want to take the riasa, the, the leadership of this ummah in your ilm, then actually go learn something. Instead of opening like, uh, 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 you know, instead of taking a khutbah workshop and then like starting to comment on everybody else's Facebook and like reading some posts and regurgitating some like sound bites and things like that, go actually learn something. I didn't learn all that much. It won't take you that much long to learn more than me. Go ahead and learn something. I myself will say, okay, I'll take like whatever... Uh, 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 some college course and like go get like a corporate job. You guys can then be the the people who are the guardians of 
of, of the ilm. Nothing would make me happier than walking into a masjid of a thousand people and being the one who's the least learned in the sharia. I would sit at the feet of every one of them and try to learn something from them. And if I could make a normal living without having, you know, waking up in the morning with like whatever, a hundred WhatsApps about Sheikh, my cat, like, you know, accidentally uh, tripped and fell into a well and swam in it for five minutes. And then we made wudu from that and then whatever. Like instead of having to do, you guys go ahead and deal with it, inshallah, learn all of those things and deal with them. You know, one of the things, by the way, many people will complain about the bad akhlaq, quote-unquote, of many uh, scholars when asked questions. Um, uh, and maybe some of you experienced this also with me, that I'm like kind of like shifty. If you ask a question, I'm avoiding it, or it takes me a long time, or I don't give a clear answer or whatever. A partial part of that is like you guys ask really hard questions, mashallah. And like in order to look up the answer of certain questions, if I'm lucky, it'll take me an hour. I'll look up the answer to the question and find it. And if I realize in that process that something I said in the past was wrong, I'll be happy to be like, yeah, I was wrong. And if you're like, what kind of shaykh is this? He doesn't even know how to answer. Then go find someone more learned and bother them, inshallah, and tell me who they are so I can go bother them as well. One of the reasons that oftentimes mashaykh like have a weird look in their face when they when you ask them questions because people ask them really hard questions. And uh, if you're lucky, you'll know where to look the answer up. If you're not lucky, you'll, you'll be like, you'll be looking just to see what book the answer will be in. Uh, because you don't know. So it would make me happy if other people uh, were there to be able to uh, uh, do those types of things. At least in the old days, mashallah, there was a, a quote that Mullah uh, Uwais uh, Namazi, uh, uh, our uh, good friend from, uh, I guess he was from uh, Blackburn at one point and now he sold out and moved to London. So shame on you. Uh, but uh, uh, very learned brother, learned in, 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 in Arabic. His Arabic is amazing. His Persian is amazing. His Urdu is uh, chaste, mashallah. Very well-read person. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, a person of enough eccentricity, eccentricity to be interesting, but not so much as to, uh, uh, you know, jump off the bus of sanity. And uh, a person I really have a lot of love uh, for and I have a lot of respect for. He... He mentioned actually uh, uh, a, and if you saw him on the, the beautiful thing, if you saw him on the street, you would have no idea. Um, but, uh, um, you know, if I had my right, I would, if I was Sultan, I'd force him to wear like a 13 yard turban just so the people will respect his knowledge. Uh, he had a post about, um, a post uh, uh, with an excerpt from, I believe it was uh, Abu Mansur al-Maturidi who said what, that the sustaining of knowledge in society is a, a fard and it, it needs to be funded, right? So you can have all these kind of pious people who are like people who read a little bit of fiqh, but really mainly are more khanqahi Sufi, like tremble in the fear of God type of people. And because they see that nobody else is actually like serving this ilm, so then they feel like, okay, we'll stand and take the kifaya off of the, uh, off of off of the ummah, and we'll serve this ilm as much as possible. What's the problem? Many of them are not, you know, super in a position to be able to do that because in order to like answer a question properly, it requires a lot of books, it requires a lot of time, it requires a lot of effort, it requires a lot of energy. And uh, if you if you don't have like a, a, a gainful means of livelihood. Um, then that process can get botched. So Abu Mansur al-Maturidi said that what? That it's a responsibility of the ummah to support these people 
um, it's a wajib. It's like not just like a like an ethical responsibility. Like, oh look, I'll buy organic and cage free when I have the money. No, it's actually like a wajib on the ummah. It's a commandment, an obligation communally on the ummah to support these people. And uh, if the qawm refuses, then uh, uh, it's not far fetched to say that they, you know, just like the sultan has the right to fight them to take the uh, to take the money of zakat if they refuse to pay zakat, just like that the 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 sultan has the right to uh, by coercion take that money out in order to be able to support this class of people obviously i don't have the sultan i'm not in a position to coerce anybody nor do i want to i'm a nice guy whether you believe it or not i am a very nice guy alhamdulillah mashallah um uh, i'm so nice you never knew anyone as nice as me i'm big nice i'm like a uh, huge nice like i'm anyway but the point is is this is that without regards to our personal scenarios and situations right now this is a this is a a sound thing, a sound concept. And if it's not implemented, which it's not in the the day and age we live in, you're gonna get like a, a second rate scholarship. So if you uh, you know if you think Mullah is being testy and uh, trying to preserve his own little uh, his own little sphere of authority or whatever. Uh, be uh, take glad tidings and good news that I'm not trying to preserve anything uh, uh, for myself, inshallah. If you go and you actually bother to learn um, uh, Arabic and bother to read the books of the tradition and bother bother to read hadith um, better than uh, than I did, which is not it doesn't it won't involve a whole lot of effort. To be very frank with you, um, then then I'd be happy to surrender uh, whatever little uh, authority on whatever little hill uh, I stand on. Uh, to you. In the meanwhile, the rest of us, let us learn the knowledge that is relevant to what we're doing uh, in our lives and let's apply it because you cannot build a civilization on khatibs. You can't build a civilization on YouTube stars. You can't build a civilization on like, uh, you know, 100,000 people who each have 100,000 followers on Twitter. You can't do it. It's not going to work. You need people from every facet of life. Um, that are good at what they do and who uh, uh, implement what they do in confirmation uh, to uh, uh, in confirmation conformance to the, the the sacred law, so that the barakat from the higher realm and the blessings and the rahmat can uh, and the nur and the ruhani and the fuyud, uh, the light and the spirituality and the spiritual effluence of the upper realm can flow into the lower realm and and irrigate uh, our fields. And be what we see and what we hear and what we eat and what we drink and what we live by and what we, uh, by Allah's fadl, inshallah, one day die by. So gharar is not, is not cool, inshallah. My brothers and sisters work on <laughs> mitigating our gharar in transactions. Barakallahu feekum. Well, ghish. Ghish is just outright deception. Uh, one of the meanings of the word ghish is, uh, is, is what? It's diddul ikhlas. It's to not have other people's well-being in mind or to wish harm to another person. When you have ikhlas for a person, you wish good for them. You're there, you're you're there where you're you're there where well wisher, khair kha, right? Uh, 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 you're a person who wishes khair and good for the other person. And so the opposite of that is ghish. And so ghish in the 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 context of transactions is to fool another person or to uh, to portray your wares or what you're paying for as one thing and they're actually something else 
if uh, it was known by the one that 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 was being that that transaction was being foisted on, what the reality of that thing is, that person would not have transacted that way, you know, using counterfeit money in order to buy something or selling something that it says itself counterfeit or fake or defective or second rate or whatever. And uh, uh, you know, our forefathers, the Aslaf, the companions, and the righteous and pious from 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 the beginning of this ummah. Uh, many of them were merchants. Even our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was a merchant, but they never sold uh, second quality goods. They never sold uh, garbage, crappy quality goods. In fact, uh, uh, Imam Abu Hanifa Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he had a, a store in, in, in Kufa and it was very, very successful. And, uh, uh, you know, he had, he was a Khazaz. He had the, the best cloth. Khaz is a, 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 I believe, a mixture between between uh, wool and silk that made a really fine cloth. And uh, he, 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 he sold the best khazan uh, all of Kufa and uh, he made a lot of money doing it and he spent it on his students. He spent huge amounts of wealth on his students uh, so, that, uh, so that this uh, knowledge could survive. And you know, I know mashallah, there are many haters out there who are like, oh look, Desi Molana, Saab from Deobandi Madrasa. What kind of Maliki is he? He's a fake, faker Hanafi. He talks about Abu Hanifa half the time anyway, right? Well, I have a Salaf in this as well. Look look how does Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar talk about Abu Hanifa. Look how the Mashaykh talk about how Look how Malik rahimahullah ta'ala described Abu Hanifa despite having rigorous, rigorous disagreements with both his fiqh and his methodology. He said, this man, this Kufan is such a genius that um, if he were to if you were to make a claim that that pillar over there is made out of solid gold, and obviously nobody would think it is, it's obviously not made out of it. But if, if he was to say it was solid gold, he would have brought a, 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 a proof uh, for his claim as well that people would like not be able to deal with, like they wouldn't be able to shut down. And uh, uh, mashallah, Abu Hanifa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, have mercy on him for so many services he did for this ummah that are irreplaceable by anybody else. Um, one of them is what is he? He made he had a lot of money and he spent uh, he spent a lot of money in order to make sure that this dean uh, works and it functions and like the the you know the eyes are dotted and the cues are crossed um, with regards to this dean and the fiqh that he came up with. Whether or not we agree with it all the time, uh, we have to accept the fact that that is the madhab on which empires were built and which caliphates and sultanates ran. The only two, um, uh, you know, the the two madhab that uh, the I would say majority. It's not true that the only two, but the majority of the states that that uh, 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 ran in the Muslim world ran either on the Maliki fiqh or on the uh, on the Hanafi fiqh, uh, and uh, far more on the latter than the former. Why? Because he took time to learn. He took time to teach. You know, other people were doing other things and he was as a grown adult male who was already a sheikh, still spending his time sitting at the feet of those who had more knowledge than him until uh, he came to a point where uh, he amassed a huge amount of ilm and he would literally, uh, he would employ, if a student was a promising student, he would employ that student, you know, Qadi Abu Yusuf, who was the first Qadi Al-Qudat, the first uh, chief justice of the caliphate. He was the son of a farmer and his father sent him to Abu Hanifa's halaqa to go learn for a while and then afterward he yoinked him out and said hey I gotta you know we gotta work the fields uh, otherwise we're gonna go hungry Abu Hanifa says how much will it cost to hire a day laborer uh, for you for, for a week in order to work the fields with you instead of him 
And so Qadi Abu Yusuf's father, he he said X amount. He's like, here, here it is. Next week, come back and get the next week's wages from me. Just let him study. And Abu Yusuf, during the reign of Harun al-Rashid, becomes literally the second most important person in the entire, uh, the political life of the entire uh, ummah after Harun Rashid, the, the, the Khalifa himself, which is what? Which is amazing because he's an alim. He's a scholar of deen. He's a scholar of deen. And this level of uh, this level of implementation of the divine law from above, which is unconcerned, unconcerned with petty rodent-like desire to gather more and more money, food, material things, unconcerned with them, and concerned with what establishing the celestial order of uh, of what's above, the clean and pure and spiritual order of what's above, in a way that's below so that we can preserve this world and we can uh, uh, preserve the living things on this world, whether they be human, whether they be animals, whether they be plants, whether it be the air, the water, the, 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 the soil, whatever it is that we can preserve and protect all of them from injustice and from vulm and from, from oppression and from tajawuz on hududillahi tabarak wa ta'ala from crossing the limits of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that everybody can live happily and we can return this amana, this trust uh, that was given to us in a form better than what, what what was given to us, and it can be a matter of pride on the day of judgment that Allah Taala, if He says, "I made you Khalifa in my work, in my in my creation," what did you do with it? They can say, "Yeah, Allah, this is what we did. We couldn't ensure that it was perfect, but we at least made sure that the poor were fed. We at least made sure that the that the uh, uh, that the criminals were locked up. We at least made sure that you know we we, we tried our best to uh, uh, bring justice into this world so that people could be free to remember you, those who wish to, and those who are heedless that they cannot point a finger at anybody else other than themselves for that. And you know we can't say that nowadays. Hiroshima and Nagasaki got the atomic bomb. You know the coral reefs are all being bleached. There's a hole in the ozone layer. There are you know majestic and beautiful whales that are beaching up with like kilograms of plastic being pulled out of their uh, out of their stomachs. There are microfibers in almost every fish in the ocean. You know animals are going extinct by the day. And, uh, uh, you know, a, a virus hits us and the earth is actually doing better because of it. And that's that's not a good state of affairs to be in. And, like, that's awesome that there's, like, iPhones and, like, Boeing 737s in the air. The Supermax may not be flying, but the other ones at least are flying. Alhamdulillah, it's better than getting around on a camel. I get all of that. You know, you're watching a dars on YouTube. Woo! Right? That's great. That's wonderful. Frisabilillah, mashallah. You know, I, you know, look how pious, mashallah, you are for listening and how pious I am for talking. Allah Ta'ala correct us for, for uh, correct our mistakes and Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala forgive us for uh, not rendering these things in the quality that, uh, that, that, that this sacred knowledge deserves. But the point is, is what is that that was only possible. That was only possible. Why? Because he spent on his. Uh, on his students from the government's money. No, much of that, 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 you know, those students, many of them were studying in the time of the collapse of Banu Umayyah or before Banu Abbas got its bearings together. They spent their own money. They're wealthy people. They spent their own money uh, in, uh, uh, in in proliferating this knowledge. Uh, that they, 
they, that was clean money, halal money, and clean intentions from clean and pure people. And that seed, they planted it in the ground and it became a tree. Inshallah, those the trees that our Aslaf and our Mashaikh planted will keep giving fruit until the Yom Al-Qiyamah, even though the masajid that we build, you know, people are getting the fist fights in them. But the tree that uh, our Aslaf planted, it will give fruit until Yom Al-Qiyamah. And uh, if we don't have anything to, uh, uh, you know, show on that day, uh, at least we can scramble and look for them and grab onto their feet, inshallah. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exalt their rank and uh, give them uh, the maqam that they deserve that they should be the fakhrul umam not just the umma of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wal khadi'atu wal khilabatu and uh, what is haram to eat by is khadi'a uh, uh, and khilaba uh, khadi'a and khilaba are uh, two synonyms uh, and they describe what? They describe kissing up to people and being fake with them in order to get a position with them or in order to get some favor or uh, something with them. Uh, that's also a, a haram and that's also a, a type of batil and people should uh, people should avoid it. Uh, khadi'a is what? It's a type of deception. Uh, 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 both of them are qiraat. Uh, uh, the first is nafi' and the second is um, the second is asim, and uh, uh, they, they, you know, the people of nifaq of hypocrisy are those who uh, those who cheat or, or try to deceive. Uh, 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 the people uh, deceive Allah and, and the people who believe and they don't deceive anybody except for themselves uh, uh, but they don't uh, they don't know uh, they don't know uh, they don't know they think that they're getting away with some, some deception but all they're doing is they're cheating themselves وحرم الله سبحانه وتعالى أكل الميتة والدم ولحم الخنزير وما أهل لغير الله به uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the flesh of uh, terrestrial animals has made a haram uh, 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 meta. Anything that dies uh, uh, on its own without being slaughtered ritually. And uh, it's interesting that even in the Quran itself, uh, you know, this is part of the literary style of Arabic that when listing a, a number of things that they should be in descending order of importance. So meta, meaning the, you know, the question is what if somebody, which is more haram, uh, a, a halal animal that's unslaughtered or a pig that was slaughtered properly? Although you technically can't slaughter a pig properly or whatever, but what's more haram? The fact that it's unslaughtered is uh, being haram is mentioned in the Quran first. حُرِّمَتْ عَلَيْكُمُ Blood and then unslaughtered animal, then the lahm al-khinzir, then the flesh of swine. Uh, uh, and uh, so according to according to this stylistic uh, uh, stylistic analysis of the uslub uh, of the Arabs, it's, it would seem to suggest that, that, that uh, you know, this idea of like, well, bro, it's not, ha it's not pork, so it's not like really haram. This is a, a type of approach to the, uh, to the sharia that doesn't seem to, uh, show a whole lot of understanding and doesn't show seem to show a whole lot of understanding of, of the Quran itself So he says that Allah uh, Transcendent is he above blemish 
has uh, made illicit the eating of those animals that are unslaughtered and blood and the flesh of swine uh, and that thing which is uh, uh, that thing which is uh, 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 slaughtered for uh, anything other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meaning if a person makes a sacrifice in the name of in the name of anyone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if a, a person makes a sacrifice in the name of uh, in the name of an idol or in the name of human humanity or friendship or god knows what um, all of those are all of those are haram and illicit to eat now it's interesting actually in the indian subcontinent uh, uh, i believe it's not only with this, the the people the followers of the sikh religion but maybe also with some hindus as well there were those who when they saw that the muslims have a ritual uh, 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 slaughter method they took they took um, offense to it which is fine they're obviously not muslims and uh, the Sharia, uh, uh, at least the interpretation of the Sharia that the uh, judges of the state uh, took toward them, uh, granted them that. And uh, I don't think it's completely uh, un unreasonable. Wallahu a'lam. And so the, the Sikhs, they have a, a slaughter method they call jatka. Jatka literally means to like snap something. And so they say that it's uh, a sacrilege to kill an animal in the, in the name of God. So when they slaughter, they purposely don't slaughter in God's name. If you're going to, if you're going to eat something, um, don't slaughter in God's name because we don't kill things in God's name, and this is a sacrilege. And so they considered it to be, uh, they consider it to be uh, just like a blasphemy. And so they say, if you're going to slaughter the animal, slaughter the animal without, um, you know, without using God's name. And that's obviously, if a Muslim does that, it's completely haram. Uh, why? Because what do we say? We say, look, if it's bad to kill an animal in the first place, then don't kill an animal. We also consider it bad to kill an animal. And uh, if it wasn't that we, that our Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and that the Prophet who came from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala, informed us what? Informed us that, uh, that the, uh, uh, that the, the, that the Lord gives an exemption to this uh, detestability of killing an animal. Uh, and it has to follow a set form, then we would not only not slaughter according to that set form, we wouldn't slaughter at all, we would have been vegetarians. Uh, as many Muslims end up becoming when they don't have access to meat which is slaughtered in a proper in a proper fashion. And it's it's written in the books of Tafsir that the uh, that Banu Adam was not allowed to eat meat and eating meat is one of the concessions that uh, that was given to the 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 believers after the time of Sayyidina Nuh as a as a uh, easing of the Sharia uh, after the catastrophic effect of the uh, the flood, which uh, destroyed so many people, and Allah knows best. So you know we wouldn't we wouldn't have we wouldn't have eaten anything uh, if that was if that was the case. And this is you know a kind of small small like little aqidah aside. This is a type of sophistry that uh, um, you know people who believe in multiplicity of truths uh, uh, engage in. Just the idea of having multiplicity of uh, multiplicity of truths means that there's no no such thing as, as truth at all. Obviously, when we say this, you know, we say with all due respect for the people who believe those religions. Uh, as human beings, we obviously don't believe in their religion, uh, um, and so that's why uh, uh, you know that's why we're not the same religion, uh, and so we reserve the right to explain why we disagree with their religion without having to necessarily 
um, belittle or belie uh, the individuals who are there, many of whom are people uh, that have shown great goodwill to Muslims and to other human beings uh, over the years. Uh, but, you know, one of the problems with having these religions that they say, well, we all believe that all these different religions are uh, different paths uh, to the same God is uh, it's a type of sophistry in which you say that there's like a multiplicity of truths and everyone has their own truth, which means there's no such thing as falsehood anymore. And if there's no such thing as falsehood, there is no such thing as truth. Uh, and it's just a fancy way of, of sophistry of saying that there's no such thing as truth, right? There's some people who say there's no such thing as truth. There's some people who say that truth exists, but we're, it's unknowable. And there's people who say that there are uh, uh, different forms of truth. All of them are just all sophistry, which basically negate the, um, the existence of truth with a capital T. And so uh, even the six uh, who believed in, uh, who believe or claim to believe in all religions being uh, a path to the same God, uh, well, you have these type of problematic issues like with regards to slaughter, which is that if our religion was a path to God, then you wouldn't believe it's a blasphemy. It's very interesting, actually. They have very few dietary laws when compared to Muslims and the Jews. But one of the dietary laws that they do have is that anything that was slaughtered in the name of God uh, um, uh, is completely unlawful and offensive to them in their religion. And this was brought to my attention uh, when I was in college and we tried to bring halal into our university and uh, a, a sick young woman was saying, well, you know, like I support you guys in like, you know, wanting to do your own thing and stuff like that. But like, we can't support you in this one thing because we just, this, it's against our religion. And I just, I didn't know that. I mean, I was kind of blown away. I was taken aback by that at that time. And I, I kind of did a little bit of research and found out that it was, uh, it was actually true. But then I guess we can't be a path to the same God then. Uh, and which is fine. Muslims never believed in universal salvation. You know, either others are right and we're wrong, or we're right and others are wrong. I'm willing to put my money on. Uh, uh, I'm willing to put my money on us being right and other people being wrong. With all due respect to uh, practitioners of uh, uh, of other religions, uh, I feel like what we what we brought makes a lot more sense than what they brought. It's philosophically far more robust. And if someone wants to tell me that, uh, you know, logic isn't everything, I agree with you, it's not everything, but uh, without it, you know, things uh, by definition get a little bit wacky. So Jazakumullah khairan, we're happy with what we have. But, uh, but yes, um, if a person were to slaughter, even if a person were to slaughter with, deliberately with the intention of not taking the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that would not, that slaughter would be haram by consensus. And, you know, there's this issue about the tasmiyah, about the, the, the name of Allah have, having to be mentioned at the time of slaughter. According to the Hanafis and according to the Malikis, uh, the slaughterman has to take the name of Allah Ta'ala when slaughtering. And the optimal way is to say Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, but it suffices to say Bismillah or suffices to say Allahu Akbar or even Allah or to slaughter the name of Allah Ta'ala. If a person is tongue-tied or unable to speak or like legitimately like forgets, like through forgetfulness, still the slaughter in the Maliki school is considered to be valid. And if a person purposely doesn't say it on their tongue, but they're a Muslim uh, um, when slaughtering, according to the Shafi'i Madhab, the Tasmiyah, and again, our Shafi'i Mashaif and scholars can correct me if I'm wrong. Just leave a comment and I'll, I'll make sure to mention it next time if I mention something wrong. But uh, my understanding is that tarjih, the, the, the most correct opinion in the Shafi'i Madhab is what is that it is a sunnah mu'akkada to say the name of Allah at the time of slaughter. And if a person doesn't say the name of Allah at the time of slaughter, the slaughter is still valid. Um, and this has to do with a an author 
related from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that says Bismillah is in the heart of every Muslim and uh, um, but the idea is what even then according to that understanding if a person intentionally like intentionally not not saying the name of Allah Ta'ala at the time of slaughter not necessarily because they're like comfortable with the idea that Bismillah is in my heart uh, so I don't have to say it uh, uh, but like because they're just slaughtering on purpose without the name of Allah because they don't want they just want to kill animal. Uh, I would wonder whether the Shafi'i Muftis would consider this to be uh, a lawful and licit or not. Uh, so meta is, is bogus, it's haram, uh, it's as haram as pork is in a qualitative sense uh, and in degree maybe even more haram than pork without getting into that, that discussion. So this whole thing like, well, dude, I'm not, at least it's not haram, I'm not eating pork, it may not be zabiha or whatever, you know, like this whole halal man, zabiha man, YouTube clip uh, level of fifth is all nonsense. This is a marketing gimmick that was started by, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a very particular company that wasn't run by Muslims at the time uh, in order to market the fact that their, their meat was apparently slaughtered uh, and, you know, make that as a value add to their marketing ploy but not offend those people who are like, just say Bismillah, it's all halal uh, type of people because, you know, uh, getting into fake arguments, even when you're right, is not a way of making friends uh, uh, oftentimes. I love it, mashallah. The faqih, is, his shatan is so high with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The qari of the Quran who recites beautifully, everyone will love them. All the madahib will love them. Shia and Sunni will love them. Even a non-Muslim, even an atheist, if they hear, if they hear one of our uh, Qurra who's like really jamming with that, with them uh, maqams and all that stuff, they say that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. They'll love that person. But the faqih, mashallah, uh, he he may not even get along with people in his own madhab. Uh, <laughs> much much less uh, much less uh, much less everybody else. Uh, but the the fact of the matter is, it's it's bogus. Like you can't. You can't be eating that stuff. It's it's not it's not right. It's not proper. Uh, and uh, if uh, the definition of meta is everything other than 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 pig, then uh, please do do go ahead and show me where any of our aslaf or any of our uh, uh, any of our books of fiqh or any of our fuqaha uh, gave it that definition. It most certainly doesn't have that definition. And uh, uh, you know anybody who wants to uh, you know. Try to have a working, viable legal system that doesn't re respect precedent, then please uh, be my guest. Go right ahead. Um, and so we uh, we continue that anything that's uh, uh, slaughtered uh, for other than Allah or in the name of anyone other than Allah uh, uh, is also haram. <laughs> أو غيرها أو أو المنخنقة بجبل أو غيره إلا أن يضطر إلى ذلك كالميتة وذلك إذا صارت بذلك إلى حال لا حياة بعده فلا ذكاة فيها. So he says what he says that also حرام is those things that are mentioned in the ayah. Uh, um, that thing that fell from uh, 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 that thing that fell from uh, a height like from a mountain or that thing that was gored to death like it was like beaten you know like someone went Rodney King on the 
on the on the thing, you know, beat it with a stick or something like that, and it died from the beating. Uh, uh, or the munchaniqa, that thing that died from asphyxiation uh, or, or something else. Um, that all of these things, and the thing that, that that also is mentioned in the in the Quran is a natihatu, that thing that that was gored, that was like hit or butt with something, or ma'akal uh, 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 or that thing that uh, was eaten by wild animals uh, and died uh, thereof. But there's the rest of the the rest of the uh, carcasses there. All of those things are haram. I, I guess I saw like some sort of like video or documentary about some uh, a tribe somewhere I think in Kenya that they're able to like basically like freak out lions and just walk up to a lion while it's eating a carcass and just like hack pieces of that carcass off and take it away. Um, they're obviously not Muslims, but like. If they became Muslims, they couldn't eat that anymore. They'd have to themselves slaughter. And then if they wanted to, you know, throw a cut to their old business partners, maybe they could do so uh, after 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 having slaughtered themselves. But uh, you know, you can't eat something that's already been um, that's already been killed by an animal. And this brings up another issue in the fiqh, which is because he mentions ma'ana ala motihi, those things that was sped along to death. So it is possible that something is still biologically alive. And you slaughter it, but it's still haram to eat, uh, which you know introduces the 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 idea of like legal death. And there is a definition of legal death in in uh, in the Maliki Madhab for an animal, meaning a condition beyond which that animal cannot be validly slaughtered or lawfully slaughtered because its legal cause of death already has occurred, and it's just a matter of it to, going on to die. In the Hanafi Madhab, my understanding is that. Um, that's uh, that you know when an animal is in that situation as long as there's any sign of life in it You can still cut the throat and say Bismillah Allahu Akbar um, As long as there's any sign of life in it um, that, uh, that that you can still slaughter the animal and it's called the Dakatul Iddirariya It's suboptimal, but it's still valid in the Shafi'i school uh, um, uh, The animal has to have and again, you can correct me if I'm wrong the 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 animal has to have uh, something called al hayatul mustaqirah that it has to be able to have some stable type of life like it cannot have been mortally wounded it cannot have been affected or afflicted by something that it will die of it's just a matter of it like actually going through the process of dying of that thing uh, whereas the malikis they they have al maqatil al sab'a i believe that seven i believe there are seven things that are the legal causes of death uh, of an animal like for example if it like the brain casing is shattered or if the carotid arteries are cut or if like the the body cavity is cut to the point where like the stomach and mad the um, intestinal tract is like showing and so the, if any of those maqatil are are munfa uh, 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 or have been like executed um, then the animal is considered to be legally dead and so if an animal falls from a height and just breaks its leg, but like those things haven't happened, then you can still slaughter it. But if an animal like falls from a height and its like head is cracked open and like you can see its brain, then um, even if it's still alive and breathing and things like that, uh, slaughtering it is not going to render it uh, lawful for consumption. Okay, so there's, inshallah, there's a, a couple of masail that are uh, connected to this issue, uh, but uh, we will get to them tomorrow in the interest of uh, not making the lesson 
uh, super long or go over the hour mark, inshallah. Uh, if anyone has any questions, we will be happy to answer them. There's a bunch of salamu alaikums uh, in the comments. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah for all of you guys. Uh, um, and uh, mashallah, and uh, somebody noted that I was imitating Trump. Uh, mashallah, I'm too humble to do that. I'm so humble. You never seen anyone as humble as me. I think Trump actually did that one time, which is really funny. And like, I don't think he was being sarcastic. I think he actually was like trying to explain how humble he was to people. But uh, Allah, Allah protect us. <laughs> Allah protect us. Uh, uh, all of the things that we do and that we say that are gonna look real dumb on the day of judgment or even in this world. Allah protect us. A'udhu billahi min sharri nafsi na a'udhu billahi min shuri anfusina wa siyati a'malina. We seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the evils uh, of our own souls and from from our uh, from uh, the, the evil that comes from our bad deeds. Uh, Allah ta'ala inshallah uh, give us protection from this illness and from all other afflictions of this world and the hereafter. Uh, some of our brothers and sisters that are very dear to us are afflicted with it right now. Please make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give them shifa. Whoever from the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah has decreed that this should be their, uh, their ticket to pass from this world. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from them as a form of shahada and uh, forgive them their sins and elevate their ranks and make it uh, a, a means of expiation for them and make uh, the patience and the sabr easy for their family uh, and for their loved ones they leave behind and reward them for that as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala open the doors of our masajid again soon. Allah ta'ala open the doors of his rahmah again for us soon. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us uh, an opening for his fadl. Uh, uh, in this world and in the hereafter from from his grace that he should give to us such a gift that we did nothing to deserve and that we uh, can never do anything to pay back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give help to those who help the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and give help to those who are just and kind with his creation and make us from amongst those people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use this means and every other means and no means at all because he's the only one who can affect without means uh, in order to cripple and in order to restrain, in order to decimate those who wish ill and harm to this ummah and to the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and who uh, wish to profit and enjoy themselves while harming others and don't don't care, don't, don't mind and don't bother uh, doing that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that evil. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be our, our, our protection and our salvation. Allahumma la malja'a wa la manja'a minka illa ilayk. Ya Allah, there is no refuge nor is there any safety or salvation from you except for in you so we seek refuge in you from our own selves and from uh, from all of the evil of your creation uh, from all of the evil of those who are beneath your uh, might that you have control of ya allah protect us protect us from from all of those things and protect us from ever running afoul of your grace or running afoul of your pleasure or your happiness ya allah 
protect us and take us by the take us by the hands and restrain us from ever running afoul of your good pleasure in this world or the hereafter. Wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salaman ala al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma rabbana taqabbal minna wa arfa'a darajatina wa adfa'anna al-balai wa al-mihan wa al-fitan wa al-afat. وفقنا لما تحب وترضى به واختم لنا بالحسنى وارفع بأيدينا راية الإسلام بركة الفاتحة السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته